0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of The Content That Grows. Uh, I'm back with Nate Turner, CEO and co-founder of 10Speed. How's it going, Nate? I'm doing well, Derek. Just uh,
1: ready to, to jump into another great topic for you today. Sweet.
0: Yeah, so this week we are talking about, um, you know, how to improve your experience and, and how to outsource your content well. Uh, it's something that, you know, I'm sure you've all experienced at some point when you've been trying to find an agency or partner, um, we see this question asked a lot, you know, on social. And so we came up with a list of, of things that we've noticed in our experience that like our clients benefit from, um, and we think, you know, any of you can use for any of your outsource partners as well. So just yeah. to kind of go over that initial list of what we'll be including is, um, you know, finding an outsource content partner that you feel confident in, someone you can trust, who's reputable, um, doing the legwork up front to, to document and prep that agency or that outsource. You know, it could be a freelancer or a consultant, um, getting alignment on the strategy and content plans before any of your execution begins, um, closing the gap between people who write or edit and the people who approve the content. Um, I think creating agreed upon visibility for deliverables and statuses and timelines. And then finally we'll cover kind of, um, like empathy and respect for like the reality of what you're asking from an outsource agency and kind of what, it, what it really takes to get the best content out of an agency.
1: Yep. Yeah. it's a solid list. Um, excited to jump in and, and I, I guess I wanted to add real quick that I think, um, you know, we pulled from this, like obviously experience on as being an agency, um, and kind of being the outsource partner, but then also kind of tapping into the variety of experiences we've had as a team of actually like finding outsource writers and, and doing that and, um, a lot of that stuff and then we also work with a lot of contract writers so we kind of have like a variety of experiences in-house being the outsource partner finding outsource partners like there's there's a lot there that um comes together in this list i think it'll be a great great conversation
0: yeah i would say (laughs) for most of drawing from this was thinking a lot of my own headaches and the experience of hiring and um, it's just challenging so yeah let's jump in so number one um you know, finding an outsourced content partner that, you know, you feel confident in someone, like I said, that's, uh, that's trustworthy, hopefully reputable, that makes it a little easier. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, probably a, a sprinkling in of rapport, just kind of naturally having a good flow and, and enjoying the meetings and the way you interact. Um, yeah. So I'd love to get your take on that first, and then I can, I can follow up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of A lot of opportunities, you know, when I was consulting and and helping um, some clients with stuff like there was a a lot that worked well to just understand, like, what are some of the industry sites or the places that, you know, cover your space really well um, that have contributing writers? Uh, You know, so back at Sprout, we were able to find some great writers who contributed to things like Social Media Examiner and stuff like that. And you're just kind of already have this um, portfolio of content. You know they're at least vetted enough to write for some of those sites and just can start some of your outreach there. Um, so that's worked well, you know, especially when you get into variety of technical topics with IoT or Kubernetes or whatever. Like, there's always industry spaces and people writing, and uh, it's a great place to start uh, versus a super general job rec. Um, so stuff like that's been really helpful, just sort of, like, go like shortcut straight to where you know, there's already vetted experienced people that you can see. Um, And then beyond that, I think there's also just a lot of opportunities to find folks who uh, understand your space and um, and you can kind of just like look for folks who would be in the industry, but maybe aren't necessarily published on those sites, uh, whether that's through LinkedIn or specific job posts or whatever it might be. So. yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to get started there. Um, if you're just like literally, I don't know where to start to find a good writer. Um, I'd say that's typically one of one of the best places to start and then you can at least kind of start to go from there. Um, and I think, you know, I'll let you kind of expand on a bit more But one of the other points we had was like, even just talking to those people, you may find out you can't afford them or they don't have availability but they often have some other folks they can refer you to. And so that's also a starting point that can kind of get you get you on the path.
0: Yeah. When I think about hiring, uh, outsource agencies and generally like, I like personal recommendations. It's kind of, um, mm-hmm. I think at least myself, the way I operate is like being pretty connected to other content marketers and managers. So it's, it's kind of easier to start to get the lay of the land. Um, Cause they're going to have recommendations who they trust. And I, I feel like that's sort of the biggest winner. You can go in feeling confident that like some other reputable, reputable brand, um, and another professional that you really respect, whether they're a consultant or agency or in-house person, um, is likely going to give you really good advice about like where to go and who to shop with. Um, and like, I think. Today it's a little easier, even with like Slack communities and things, where you can you can pop Definitely. in and ask a, a quick question of like who's everyone using, what do you like about them, and kind of get a sense of, um, you know who's working well and what the pr- price points are, things like that. It's pretty pretty open forum from what I've seen in the Slack communities I'm in. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah. Would you add anything else to that, or?
1: No, I think, I, think,
0: I think that covers it. I think the Slack community stuff is definitely
1: a great addition in terms of where you can start and, and find some folks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe before we transition to the next thing, the, the only other thing I'd add is it. it I think it's work to find a good agency and um, that it's like I would put the time in to ask around and shop around and like um, make that choice wisely rather than... You know, the simplest Google search or the simplest Upwork find, I would. Sure. Um, do the manual process. All right. And then next we have, um, you know, doing the legwork up front to document and prep the agency or freelancer to properly onboard them. Um, I, at least personally, uh, I, I feel like this is the one that sometimes gets shorted. Uh, especially for, uh, I think the trade-off for this one sometimes is like speed, like you really want to move quickly. Yeah. Um, but this one again is just so important if you want the quality of that outsource content to come back, um, and be ex- as close to what you want as you can get.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think the, your point on speed is good because as an agency, we've had a lot of focus on trying to make it as light of a lift as possible for our clients. Like, you know, not this thing where it's like, Oh, well, the first three months are just us getting onboarded. Like that's ridiculous. And, you know, and so we were always kind of, um, trying to focus a bit more on like, how do we just get ramped quickly? Um, but really I think in the last year or so have had, uh, a much bigger shift towards like, still trying you know still not taking anywhere near three months you know to get onboarded that would be ridiculous but um trying to figure out ways to like still automate or or make you know um asynchronous some of the work we need from from our clients and and templates and forms whatever it may be like really try to get as much context as possible um in a way that's like we can you know scale that and and replicate it and have consistent way to understand all kinds of stuff pain points and their users and product positioning and competitors and competitors they can talk about and competitors they can not talk about and just all kinds of stuff there that um definitely plays into everything um overall um and so i think that that really does become a huge factor it's not just you know your brand guidelines or or something like that. There's like a tone and voice guide. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into that, um, and, and and having that right context. And so I think that's a great point. That it doesn't matter if it, you're bringing on an agency for uh, you know a big engagement or one freelancer to do, you know one or two blog posts a month. Like they still need a lot of that same context to really be able to to deliver good work.
0: Yeah, no, (laughs) I think especially, you know, you mentioned briefly, like brand and style guidelines, voice and tone, and inclusivity, things like that. Um, Something that I feel like for these types of engagement and what we do, like having ones that are shorter and almost specifically for your agency can be really helpful um, so that it's not cause they're dry and they're boring and you probably don't need to know a lot yeah. of them. And so like trying to simplify them down to the basic bullet points of like, this is what you are gonna interact with and this is where you're most likely to trip up. Um, yep. Is gonna help you with that. I know, you know, being on the agency side, something that's always helped has been product demos. Um, yeah. And for the async, like if you can send, you know, that outsourced agency Um, links to someone doing a live demo um, of a specific thing or you know it's wonderful if you can get on a call and like field live questions but sometimes yeah um, that async is going to be fine and then the only other thing i would say that like is sort of an ongoing piece that you just want to have clear because usually it's coming from the internal guidance of the marketing team or leadership is like CTA goals, things like that. So when you're building them and you're trying to figure out like, okay, what are we pointing to? What are we emphasizing? Um, Making that clear can prevent like the writer or editors from like repeating the same features that they know about and um, push them to learn. So it's an active process, but um, those are some of the things that I think help that.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I think there's, it's also helpful, um, you know, you don't need to like If you bring on a freelancer again, you know, one or two posts a month or whatever, even three or four, like they, they probably don't need to have like the entire strategy and, you know, topic roadmaps and all kinds of stuff offloaded onto them. But like, um, it is helpful to give people more context than just whatever topic you're asking them to write about. Um, and so, yes, you can give tone and voice. Yes, you can give um, uh, some of the other stuff about your positioning and, and whatnot, but like help them understand what you're trying to accomplish with the content and how, the you know, these couple pieces a month fit into the broader strategy, you know, at a high level. Uh, I think just gives writers or agencies just much, much better context uh even just how to approach that and make sure it really fits in um and feels right because otherwise you're in house you know why you want the piece and it comes back and it just feels off and that's because it doesn't maybe totally feel like it flows into the the bigger picture and that's because there wasn't that context given so that would be the last thing i would maybe just add theirs um you know especially with freelancers who you may just view as like I'm just going to send them a few topics a month, just to make sure they understand the, the, the bigger picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I find when you give them the bigger picture, it, it does this thing for the, the writer or the editor or whoever that like, they're more bought in, like you become the easier yeah. client to work with. Um, yeah. and so they're kind of excited to do that and they feel like, Oh, I understand what I'm contributing to here and like how it should push people. Uh, and if, they're one of the people who gets to see the analytics and stuff. Like they can share in your wins. It's just like all around a yep. better feeling. Yeah, agree. Sweet. Um, okay, next point. Um, the importance of, you know, getting alignment on, you know, strategy and, and sort of that big picture content plan uh, before execution begins. Um, so, yeah, let's dig into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I guess I kind of just touched on that a bit, but, um, there, you know, I, I say it a lot, um, like content, content or content marketing is a pretty broad umbrella. Um, so I guess the one thing I would add is like, you know, if you you have writers kind of helping just with blog posts or certain types of written content or whatever. Um, there's still that additional context, um, with like, Hey, we're also doing a podcast episode on this topic, or, you know, this is going to actually feed into this video series we're going to do. And this is, this is what the video series is about or whatever it might be just helping give that context. And we, we encounter that a lot because, um, we have a pretty specific part of the content program that we are responsible for within a company and they're doing other stuff with case studies and webinars, podcasts, whatever. And so that's always just helpful to understand, again, not just a topic roadmap or what other blog posts are being written, but like what is the other more broader content strategy. And then even bigger than that is just like, you know generally understanding the go-to-market strategy like is this all in service of like you know trying to generate some revenue to help out sales and it's all like a sales-led thing or is this like this 95 percent of of new business and a huge growth lever and you know just any other context and and go-to-market and how that all fits in i think is super helpful
0: for sure i for me being like most of my career being very tactical, like the having the strategy and the content plans established and aligned on between the two teams before the real work begins, um, has really always been about like the ability to move a little quicker. Cause it's sort of like, okay, we all agree. This is where we're moving. This is the established amount of stuff we're doing over the next three months, you know, having the iterations is fine. Like the in-house team is going to learn new things and have that context to bring. But on some level, you have to execute on something long enough to make sure it really happens and like to test and see if that strategy was successful. Um, And so having those agreed upon things up front, I think really allows you to actually do that. Um, And it makes sure everyone's comfortable, right? Because like we want the in-house team to be very comfortable and say, yeah, run with it. Let's do it. We understand exactly what we're looking at. Um, yeah, and so I think that's kind of, kind of the aid of it. Um, it also is just a part of the like learning to sh to share with one another, the responsibilities and things like, as you mentioned for our agency specifically, we come in and own a lot of that strategy work on the content roadmap. Um, and like, we need to be able to own that. Like we need to be able to like work out and have that trust and move fluidly. Uh, Cause it gets awkward if you're an agency that provides strategy, but they don't trust you to right. deliver strategy. And then they yeah. alter a strategy that you ultimately don't really believe in. Otherwise you would have proposed it. Um, yeah. And then they hold you accountable to like the data that comes back on a strategy you didn't build yeah um, so getting that alignment and not having to quarrel over it for the next six months to a year is is obviously helpful yeah totally agree sweet uh I think the next um maybe obvious one, but again, just I think worth um, having in here is is working to close the gap between the people who create the writers, the editors um and the people who ultimately approve the content. So if your two points of contact, aren't those people like developing processes to kind of bring those groups closer together, if not having some type of direct access to one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's some really interesting stuff on this. One is like, um, so if you're in house right now, and you're just starting out like you don't work with an agency, you don't work with contractors or anything. The thing I would say is um I don't care what it like Google Drive folder one giant like Google Doc or you know whatever format a Notion page like find something that can be like your living, breathing, growing repository of all the stuff we've kind of talked about like tone and voice guide like things to do things not to do like um you don't want to have to redo that every time and and give it to people and so the more you can build on that and create that consistency is helpful so like we do that a lot with um kind of like client guidelines for every client we have and like anything that any feedback that comes back you know in around round of revisions of like well, we don't want to talk about this in this way or whatever, you know, we would add to that, that repository on our end and make sure our writers have it. And, um, and then the second part of that is like, we do have some cases where there's more like clinical or technical reviews that also have to happen. And so um, you really want to make sure, whether it's through like an SME process or uh, just like, a repository, like I was saying, we want to have that end result, like whatever that end is, if it's clinical or technical or, or just another editorial team outside of who you're working with. What are, yeah, what are the, what are the things that, that pass the check and how to just make sure it does that? Cause obviously no one wants to keep having to comment or, or edit the same things over and over and over. Um, and so, that to me is one of the best ways to do that is really, understand. Excuse me, understand what the end line wants uh, and expects, and then make sure that's baked in for the writers. And then any other you know, feedback meeting or, or something where you can pull in a writer or a group of writers uh, into that session as well uh, can also be really
0: productive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think practically speaking, like we have times where our editors are a part of meetings, or we have times when uh, I mean, for all of our clients, it's like when you get the actual like first drafts, um, you know, the editor and the person who's approving are kind of the ones going back and forth. And it's less of the strategist interacting and being in the those documents. Uh, yeah. So those are all pretty simple. And then uh, depending on how comfortable you are with it, obviously you can create other modes of communication through Slack and things like that. but. Um, we'll touch on that a little bit more in the next thing on like yeah. things you have to be cautious of depending on how you open certain visibility and communications. Yes, totally. Cool. Um, so with that, we can we can jump right in. So um, I included this one because I've, every agency I've been at, I feel like this is always like you know an initial hurdle because everyone has different comfort levels and and expectations, or they've worked with another agency who did it X, Y, and Z way. Um, so that's just creating agreed upon visibility, um, for deliverable statuses and for timelines and expectations.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, um, I mean, I guess (laughs) for anyone listening to be transparent, I questioned if we even needed to make this point like a talking point uh, because it seems very obvious, like table stakes. But I do think, um, you know, it does make sense because we've even run into situations um, starting with a new client and they've told us like, we were working with another agency and they've not delivered anything to us in the last three months. Um, We have no visibility into where things are at, whatever. And it's just shocking, I guess that things like that can, can happen and so with that you understand some people have um uh, you know bad experiences in the past or definitely just have um internal expectations that there's a lot more visibility being reported up or anything like that and so um it's definitely an important point you know in this context in terms of outsourcing well um that you know you as the the person finding a freelancer or or an agency or both, like you need to understand what that is, whether that's, um, you know, sauna or teamwork or some sort of project management tool or, um, you know, however it may happen. You just need to know when things are coming, when to expect it, what's the cadence, um, all of that. So I definitely think that that, that visibility is important. Um, and like you said, everyone kind of wants different Degrees and flavors of it too, which can be somewhat challenging sometimes, but, um, but totally makes sense given that everyone's in a different circumstance.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we've experienced our own iterations of this with like how, how much transparency we're able to give in in some effort to like protect them and protect ourselves from overwhelming each other, um, to get back to our last point, which was like, um, You know, we've been dabbling a little bit in like having a shared Slack channel and things like that. Um, And I think based on like what I hear, that seems to be working well and people are respecting each other's times. Uh, But I've also worked in spaces where uh, both the agency and the in-house teams are just like back and forth and they're sharing a little bit too much. And they're like, hey, I read this new thing. Like, have you read it? And they're sending it over. And like, that's fun. Um, There's an element of like, I'm glad you're invested and like, we can share those ideas, but there's also just like, I can't be attentive to every question that pops into your head and we need to like prioritize these for the monthly meeting and uh, that kind of thing. So Yeah,
1: I think, I think those things can go sideways. We've not had any issues, uh, as you said, on the Slack connect channels we have with clients. And I think the biggest thing is just making sure people understand slas because people get conditioned to like slacking someone and expecting you know their coworker to respond within a few minutes and um obviously you slack someone an agency and they're on a call for an hour or or whatever and you just different things like that that just um i think as long as everyone understands that it's possible to do it well but but yeah i think there's um there's really good ways to to build that rapport and build the trust um, through the visibility. Um, And I think that that's ultimately a really positive thing. And like I said, to me it seems like table stakes, but um, I can understand now that that maybe isn't the case everywhere (laughs) with everyone.
0: Yeah. Um, I think one thing that helped even initially a few years ago when, when 10 speed was starting was just, getting in writing like the number of days turnaround at each process that everyone gets like we know it's a little slippery and we're all managing a bunch of you know yeah. different teammates but having those guidelines and holding people to it where it's like when this hits your inbox you've got these three days or these five days to respond if you don't then it, it just moves along um, yeah. and everyone needing to respect that and respect each other's time so having those yep. things up front it's very helpful totally um, okay that brings us home to our last point and uh, this one is just like again just having empathy and and respecting like the entire reality of what outsourcing your content is and like what you're asking an outsource agency to to do, obviously they're promising Hmm. the service. They need to be good at it and come with their workflows and understand how to get the best out of you as well. Um, But I think uh, really understanding how this works can, can limit the amount of frustration you experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone goes through that initially when, whenever they first, Deal with with outsourcing, whether it's to a freelancer or any you know, anything writing service, an agency like the, the this is why the content briefs became such a big deal for us, you know, at Sprout, and ultimately evolved, I think, into just sort of like an industry norm um, over the years, and it it's a perfect example of like. You, if you just say to someone, Hey, can you write me a blog post on this topic? That is, you have no idea what you're going to get back. Versus, you know, laying out, Here's the intent, here's what we want to accomplish, here's how it relates to other content we're doing, here's the rough outline we want. Like, all of that just puts so many guardrails and helps ensure that what you get back is closer. And I say closer because. Mm -hmm that's the other thing is just understanding that it like things are not going to come back 100% ready to go. Um, And that's just the reality. And obviously everyone should be striving for it to be as close to 100% as possible. Um, But going into it, knowing like there's going to be a little bit of, of touch-up or editing that's needed, um, is, is I think critical to just having success with, with the freelancers and, and understanding that like, you can certainly, first of all, in-house content still needs to be edited by someone. Um, so that's not like that's a, you know, things are hundred percent automatically from someone writing in-house, um, but there's, I think, the ability to have greater scale, greater flexibility, uh, diversity in voices, uh, in and and perspectives, uh, writing styles a little bit. Obviously, still sticking to the tone and voice guides and stuff. But um, you, you just open up a lot of opportunities in accepting that it's maybe a little bit further from 100%, uh, a little bit different than in house, but. If we everyone's kind of working towards trying to make it as close to 100 percent as possible and you understand that it's not going to be then I think you will have a lot of success with outsourcing um <clears throat> but if you're going in expecting to just send off minimal detail to someone and have something come back hundred percent ready to go um you'll probably be disappointed no matter what freelancer agency service you use like it'll that'll be a constant and that's because of the, the prep, lack of prep and the, the
0: expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, it's always helped to understand it. Like if you're someone who's built content, I think you really start, like you have a better understanding of this. Um, but if you've kind of always been in a role where you only manage this part of it, um, it's just like, I don't know, very practically like understanding that different types of content um are harder to produce you know if you want pure real rich thought leadership content then like that just requires more hands-on processes like we have to have a way to pull that out of the actual thought leader in that space if if we don't have one on hand and likely your outsource agency doesn't necessarily have like a revolutionary thought leader on hand (laughs) in the way that like yeah, founders and people yeah. who are disrupting industries are going to have strong opinions. And like people will care about those thoughts because they're interacting with it all the time. Uh, yep. so that's much more difficult than say you're kind of top of funnel. There's an objective answer, um, that like you can do a little bit of research and probably know that like whatever actor is a hundred years old, you know, like that sort of stuff is like, <laughs> yeah, you don't, it's going to be easier to create. Um, yeah. And then I I would say that, like, just expect to, like, do heavy edits to start. It doesn't matter if they're really great outsourced partner or not. Like, that's just going to be beneficial to, like, you, like, not only do you want to provide the edits, but, like, give them some thought processes if they're sort of these elements that are more style or brand focused um, or it's just important for you to, like, have the writer display a way of thinking um yeah i would provide more to start and then you'll notice that you can taper back as they start to pick up on it Um, and then this is just from listening to editors forever but when i mentioned in the last point this sort of like back and forth where you get a first draft and then you make a couple edits and it goes back to the agency and then they get three to five days And you're sort of sending it back into these timelines, extending when the deliverable date is going to be finalized. Um, Mm -hmm. It's starting to pick up on like, okay, when is it worth it to send that back into an official edit process? And like, when is it worth it for me to just be like, oh, I like capitalize that, you know, and and sort (laughs) of move along. But I know (laughs) I just like hear about that in all sorts of threads of people just being like, just do it yourself. Just make that change. Um, it's just like yeah. a, it's a funny thing <laughs> to ask someone to do in some ways, cause they are paying for you to get that right, but you can save yourself your own headaches if, if that's the case. Yeah. And I think that it's, um, it goes back
1: to what I was saying before. Like you want, you want to communicate that preference mm-hmm. and document and make that part of your repository to make sure it doesn't keep happening, but yes to add multiple days or whatever it might be for it to go back and then come back again when you could just change you know those four or five things in the process of publishing the content Um, yeah it may not make sense so yeah i think that's a good point to to consider and i think the other thing is like it's just helpful i think a lot of folks can maybe air on the side of like well we're just going to outsource it like cuz it like I don't have to deal with it I don't like that perspective and it's if you think about outsourcing again single freelancer an entire agency whatever it whatever it is if you think about it in the context of hiring an employee then like check yourself on that because you would never just hire an employee and be like well, I just gonna hire them because I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to like give them minimal direction. And you don't hire someone and go, uh just go do marketing and make us more revenue, or you know, the equivalent to I guess of just giving them topics without much other direction or context. And um and I think you know the reality, of, like you said, heavy editing up front, like when you bring on an employee, like there's more time, there's more time to bring them up to speed. Uh, the repository is very similar to having documentation within your team. Like these are things we do. We've documented it. So we don't have to go over it every single time. Um, and there's a lot there that if you just think about what you're doing in that context, and like, would I do this with an employee? No. And obviously bringing on an employee ultimately yields additional bandwidth and greater output and, and new ideas. Um, but... it it still requires work to bring people on to train them help them develop over time like it's not a a totally hands-off thing so that would be probably my last thing is just thinking about it that way can really be helpful um versus feeling like this is something i can just totally shove off onto someone else and and not deal with it
0: yeah no i think that's a good it's a good final point it's like own it own it with them and help them get up to speed and you'll you'll have way less headaches and just accept that from the get-go this is how it works it's how it was gonna work either way (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um but yeah i
1: I think that was a, a a solid list um and we made it through in pretty good time so uh with that we'll go ahead and wrap up So, thanks uh, for tuning in. Uh, If you'd like to check out any prior episodes of the podcast, uh, visit tenspeed.io slash podcast. Uh, You can also uh, like and subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms, and uh, also have uh, quite a few of the videos up on YouTube as well. So, uh, check us out there. And uh, thanks again until next time. Thanks, Derek. Yep, thanks.